Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope you're home having a lot of fun and with family and uh, maybe thinking about God as well. Got to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm filming this last week. Okay, this is up. Actually, it's Friday for me. Uh, so I'm out there with you, actually with my family, with my wife and with my two daughters. Uh, I took one of them to the Christmas show. Actually, I took both of them, but one of them had to go outside because she couldn't hack it. I mean, the lights and everything like that. She was only one at the time, all right? She just turned two. Uh, here's Annalise at the big show. That's a lot to take in, all that music, all those lights, uh, the Nutcracker, the Rockettes at Radio City Music Hall. If you haven't done it, you, you should do it at least once. Uh, here's some more photos, Christmassy photos. Uh, there's Annalise again with her gingerbread man cookie and Madeline, too, with her gingerbread man cookie. So, um, hey, that's uh, a little bit of the Christmas holiday in the Kelly household. I hope you're having a great Christmas, okay? And, um, well, now on with the show. I thought I would start out by telling you a little bit, basically, the, the founding principles of this show. And they're tightly aligned with the founding principles of this country. Number one, our founding fathers, I believe, and I'm not alone here, they were divinely selected almost, right? That all of those great men would have been alive at that time in the history of the world, coming together to build the United States Constitution, the greatest document short of the Bible in existence, in my opinion. Yes, I do love our country. I love our history. I was excited. Were you? Do you remember the 1976 bicentennial? I was, uh, what, six, seven years old? It was awesome. And America was into it. Everybody. We had a culture. We had a country. And we came together as kids, big time. Kids, we dressed up as Minutemen. There I am on the left. My brother's on the right. We were Minutemen from the Revolutionary War, marching in the July 4th parade. We went to see the Liberty Bell back when they actually let you touch it. And we explored Independence Hall. And we did all those things that... Quite frankly, Americans used to do before this toxic and false notion that America is fundamentally a racist country. Hey, and growing up, I knew about the Civil War. You knew about the Civil War. We all learned about the horrors of slavery. I remember vividly in first grade learning about slavery. And wow, Thomas Jefferson did that. Wow, but he was great. Yeah, he was great, but he did something bad and like... It was all part of the package, and we still loved America. America, a beautiful place, right? Not lately, not lately. How far we have fallen, I think, is exemplified by this moment. A side-by-side, -side, John F. Kennedy and Joe Biden, okay? What was John F. Kennedy talking about in 1962? I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. Make that 1961, by the way. And we did. Man on the moon, 
July 20th, 1969. I mean, America did that. The envy of the world. Fast forward, and President Joe Biden is in office at that same podium, in that same hall, but a totally different man. I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. This is so ludicrously outside of his area of responsibility, his job description. You know what that's code for, right? What he's saying there, backing up transgender children. This is A-OK for the Democrats. Drag time story hour, which is being carried out in hundreds, thousands of school districts across the country. People dressed men, women's clothing around children. It is perverse. So we went to the moon in 1969. And today, yeah, this is the issue. This is the issue of our time. And who are the heroes of our time? George Floyd. Now, I wish George Floyd had not died that day. I also wish he had obeyed the law. I also wish he didn't have all that fentanyl in his system. I also wish that, uh, well, he wasn't a degenerate criminal for most of his life. Yeah, George Floyd did some bad things. I know there are statues all over the place for George Floyd. um, But if we're going to have statues, I think we need to know the whole story. In addition to this, he was an adult film star, an amateur adult film star. But yeah, he did some porn. Neither here nor there, but it's part of the story, but it's not, right? Because you can only talk about certain parts of the story, the narrative. That's a word they love. So when it comes to Black Lives Matter, you know, most people would see this. Most people before, say, the world lost its mind, would see this as a riot, not as a peaceful protest, not as some sort of righteous call for social or racial justice, whatever that is. Um, Particularly powerful people, rich people. They embraced this so they could stay rich, so they could stay powerful. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. That's beautiful, Roger Goodell. Um, Why did you say that? Now, why did he say that? A man who was trying to get Colin Kaepernick fired at one point for taking a knee is suddenly falsely accusing America of systemic racism. Now, why would that be? Here are a few million reasons. Roger Goodell, commissioner of the National Football League, $200 million, $64 million a year salary, at least $200 million. He's pushing billionaire status, right? This is insane, but it keeps them in power and it keeps them rich. But what does it do to the rest of us? Who likes Oreo cookies? What's to not like about Oreo cookies, right? So not controversial, so not anything but a cookie uh, until 10 minutes ago. Yeah, believe it or not, this is an Oreo commercial. Apparently the kid's gay. That's fine, whatever. And somehow Oreos fits in the picture. I really had a hard time getting my head around this one. Yeah, it's a Nabisco ad. Watch. No cookies, no milk, no cookie monster, no double stuff cookies. 
Just weird staring and nothing. Nothing. Now show me the cookie, please. Well, they got to show you a special type of cookie. Yeah, the rainbow cookie, right? I mean, this is insane. This isn't even, I mean, it doesn't even make you want to eat Oreo cookies. Talk about the cookie. What are we supposed to do with this, right? Regular people, not Roger Goodell, not Beyonce. What about just people with jobs who'd like to keep those jobs? Well, we're not going to find out the truth by listening to mainstream media. They could care less. They're holding on by a by a thread. All they want is to keep those crummy jobs and they'll do, say and not report whatever it takes to keep those crummy jobs that are hanging on by a thread. They'll even do things like this. I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it is not uh, it is not generally speaking unruly. I'd love to find that guy back when he was like 22. You know, why do you want to go into journalism, right? Do you want to go into it to find out what's going on and maybe tell people about what's going on? That is, I don't know, the the Rosetta Stone of fake news right there. In possible second place, or maybe this is even better, you know, this whole Karen craze? You must cancel white women who dare stand up for themselves. This St. Louis resident, she lived in an apartment building, and she did what the... Apartment rules say you're supposed to do. Don't let anybody in the building without a key. There's no doorman there. You have to have a key or a key fob. She goes in. There's some character she's never seen before. He wants to walk in right behind her. I've heard of women being sexually assaulted, a similar M.O. What does she do? She sticks up for herself. Excuse me. No. You don't have a key fob. You are... No. 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 If you have that, then okay. Ma'am, you're not security. You're not the property manager. You're not no, Mike Hardy. No, but I live here. All right. So you see what happened there. Um, a minor dispute between two people. Now, she happens to be a white woman. He happens to be a black male. It goes nuclear. The confrontation caught on video, a white woman blocking a black tenant from entering their apartment building, demanding proof that he lives there. This man holds a job, one of the major network evening news programs. Walter Cronkite used to have this job <laughs> talking about the space program. Peter Jennings talking about the Berlin Wall falling down. And this guy's talking about a white woman getting into an argument. So that institution, that industry, we can trust. Maybe we have the military, right? We can trust the military, can't we? I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it. Yeah, no, unfortunately, they've gone. We haven't won a war since World War II. We support the men and women, the fighting men and women, but we have serious problems. That the military could produce a political animal like this who appears with a commander-in-chief. I call him Mark Mutiny Millie. He walks across the street with President Trump. Remember that? There he is in the back. So what? So what? I think this was part of a coup. Listen to what he said about this appearance. As many of you saw the result of the photograph of me at Lafayette Square last week, that sparked a national debate about the role of the military in civil society. I should not have been there. Wow. He apologizes up and down. Was this done to undermine our democracy? I think it was. 
I think it was. I know it undermined our military. I know it undermined his time, spending all this time virtue signaling, not planning for the withdrawal from Afghanistan, which happened a year later. And you know what, how it went down. The catastrophe, the avoidable catastrophe, and now the Taliban is in charge. We really are a country in a total freefall, and it's very, very dangerous out there. Dangerous physically. It's dangerous to men. <laughs> men, be careful. After Christine Blasey Ford came forward without a shred of evidence to back up her outrageous claims, and the entire country stopped and listened to this obvious Democrat prop, yet no one paid a damn lick of attention to Tara Reid. Tara Reid, she was able to document that she worked on then-Senator Joe Biden's staff in the early 1990s. She claims that she was sexually assaulted by Joe Biden. You can find her on a podcast, but she was never invited to testify on Capitol Hill. There are so many really horrible things happening in this country, and I do believe one great hope we have is Donald Trump. You know, when he came down that escalator, I, well, I actually take pride in this. I happened to be in the room. It was kind of a fluke, but I was in the room. And, well, you remember what he said, right? It really spoke to me. Our country is in serious trouble. We don't have victories anymore. We used to have victories, but we don't have them. It hit me right here. And I, I was watching it in person. That's me. You may notice my, yeah, I know that. That's, that's my hairline, all right. That's me standing. And after it was over, and only because I was there, and because, well, compared to other people in the media, I hadn't actually been in the media that long. I spent my entire 20s and early part of my 30s in the military, not running around with a microphone. And I could listen and I could take him seriously and not literally. This is my reaction um, moments after the speech. I think he might be a game changer in this race. Listen to that speech. It's going to go over well uh, in certain precincts in Iowa, New Hampshire. This is a big deal. This is not a joke. The establishment media did not give him one chance, not one chance. I knew he could win, not because I'm brilliant or some sort of political prognosticator, but I don't know. I didn't grow up in the media and spent a lot of time in the military, moving all around the country and listening. And I spent enough time in Iraq to know that Donald Trump was absolutely right. And finally, somebody said it. Obviously, the war in Iraq was a big, fat mistake, all right? Now, you can take it any way you want. And it took, Je it took Jeb Bush, if you remember, at the beginning of his announcement, when he announced for president, took him five days. He went back. It was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. Took him five days before his people told him what to say. And he ultimately said it was a mistake. The war in Iraq, we spent $2 trillion, thousands of lives. We don't even have it. Iran is taking over Iraq with the second largest oil reserves in the world. Obviously, it was a mistake. So George Bush made a mistake. We so, can make mistakes, but that one was a beauty. We should have never been in Iraq. We have destabilized right. the Middle East. There was never a doubt of who I was going to vote for after that moment. After that moment, I knew this was the guy. And unlike anybody else on that stage or just about anybody else, not everybody, but most, they go into politics to be something and to get stuff, money and power. But this guy, 
I think this is John Voigt narrated the RNC convention. Listen to this. Went for money or power or fame. He had all that. Money or power or fame. He had all of that. Joe Biden, the rest of them, they went in to get that. And Donald Trump actually fought for us, fighting for you, fighting for somebody. We saw it every day when he was president. We saw what he was up against. You ever hear another politician say it, right? When they say it, are they telling the truth? No, they're reading from some old campaign manager's playbook. Well, I'll do as president what Donald Trump hasn't. I'll fight for you. I will fight for you. I want to fight for you. I know you, and I will fight for you. I will fight for you. I will be a senator who will fight for you. Yeah, they didn't mean it. Donald Trump actually meant it. <laughs> Maybe that's part of the problem, right? You're not, that's just a bunch of garbage you say on the campaign trail. Then you go to Washington to get fat and lazy and dumb. Who remembers the movie Rocky, right? Sylvester Stallone, one of the greatest movies ever. Remember when Rocky punches out Apollo Creed in the first round? Yeah. And then Apollo, he gets a little pep talk from his, uh, his ring man there. What does he say? He doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. It's kind of like President Trump. President Trump really went there to do things. He thought it was a fight to get things done for the people, not a show just to enrich themselves. I think that works. And, you know, I was in high school when, when this happened, and I thought, this guy's a joke. I knew at 17, this guy is crazy. Do you feel you're able to control, to put in the vernacular of your mouth, that you can think before you talk? Well, I've been in this business for 15 years. Um, and uh, I, uh, um, I let my record of 15 years versus the transgression that you're referring to uh, stand and you can make you all can make that judgment i feel very capable of uh using my mouth and sync with my mind oh my goodness jack nicholson anybody notice how he called it a business a bit i've been in this business for 15 years this is right around the time everybody found out he was a plagiarist and a serial liar he had a dropout, but somehow he has come back and when you make a serial liar president Nothing matters. And they'll come out and say stuff like this. Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this. Bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. Nice line, but he didn't mean it, which kind of indicates maybe he has no soul. He's done nothing to unify this country. Nothing. And three easy things he could have done right there. Number one, call off this phony impeachment of Donald Trump. Number two, get big tech off the backs of conservatives. And number three, maybe go easy, all right, on the January 6th prisoners, at least the ones who didn't hurt anybody and didn't break anything. And there are a lot of people in jail who didn't hurt anybody, didn't break anything. What's his prime directive? I think it's covering up all the enrichment he's done over the years and hooking up Hunter. It might just be that simple. And I have something to say about January 6th. Yeah, it was a bad day, but uh, the prosecution and the persecution and the pretext that day has been exploited so heavily by, by the left, by the media. Enrique Tarrio, 
is facing 22 years in jail. He was falsely called a white supremacist. He's Afro-Cuban. He didn't hurt anybody. He didn't break anything. Something is very, very wrong. I'll have more when we come back. Many thanks. You're watching Greg Kelly at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. She really should not go out in public anymore. Kamala Harris, when she says stuff, this is, uh, they ask her politely about the immigration crisis and the illegal migrants, right? Uh, here's her response. The other question, do you think the federal government needs to be providing financial support to these municipalities that are having these issues? The second question first, yes, and we are. Now let's get to the first point. Um, the, states, but, the states and the mayor would say not enough and not really. We are. So we can negotiate whether more is needed, and that is something that, in terms of this conversation, but more importantly, what is needed, and let's, you know, we can reevaluate that, but we are. This passes for a challenging question of Kamala Harris about immigration and migration and the border crisis. Shouldn't you be giving more money to cities? What about stopping uh, the flow? Huh? That seems to be off the table. They're back to root causes. She was talking about Internet in Guatemala. And Joe himself seems to be all wrapped up in... Um, Stuff like, well, lights and uh, infrastructure in Guatemala. It's kind of funny. It's kind of weird. Why? For example, in one of the major cities down there, they said the crime rate's terrible. That's why people are leaving this particular city. But we have no street lighting. And the government said, give us the money. We'll put the I said, I'm not going to give you the money, but I'll tell you what. Show me what you need. I'll get contractors down there. We'll put in the street lights for you because a lot of corruption down there. And guess what? Violence came down. A lot of corruption down there. No corruption up here. Joe Biden wants to handle the contracts. He's bragging about what he did in the Obama administration. We need to look into that. Won't stop the border situation, but he'll hook people up with contracts in America to build stuff overseas, kind of like his brother. Um, I don't like it. Joe goes to Colorado yesterday amid everything that's going on, all the anti-Semitism all over the place. Whenever religion comes up, his own religion, he seems to make fun of it. The historic investments we're celebrating today is in Congressman Boebert's district. <laughs> She's one of the leaders of this extreme mega movement. I don't know why he made the sign of the cross. Um, when it comes to him and faith, it's either a joke or he's bragging about knowing the Pope. Pope Francis has become a, uh, I don't want to exaggerate, has become a, uh, someone who's provided great solace for my family when my son died. When I won, he called me. He's just a fine, decent, honorable man. And I, <laughs> he, uh, yeah. and we keep in touch. I had imagine that, imagine that. Francis. President of the United States knows the Pope. Uh, I don't know. There's something, a man of faith, if a man of faith had that job of president, how much he could do for this country, talking about his relationship with God, if there is a relationship, if there's a genuine relationship, I think it could help a lot of people. But I don't know. I don't know. Uh, instead, the media get really upset about Donald Trump's language. Uh-oh, what do they say? 
I don't want to terminate Obamacare. I want to replace it with much better health care. <laughs> Obamacare sucks. That was uh, today, last night. Well, they didn't like that he said the S-U-C-K-S word. People say it. It's no big deal. They really were bent out of shape. Some of the morning shows, oh, wow, this is so unpresidential. It's funny, though. When a Democrat says something worse, far more vulgar than sucks, when they use the F word, it's somehow charming. And take that weapon that was originally designed for use on the battlefields in Vietnam to penetrate an enemy soldier's helmet at 500 feet and knock him down dead up against kids at five feet. It may be funny to you, but it's not funny to me, okay? In every single part of Texas, all of you showing the country how you do this. I'm so proud of you guys. Two things. Why are audiences so impressed with the F word, right? I think it only, I don't know. And uh, the F word elevated Beto. When he lost to Ted Cruz, he immediately started running for president. And they put him on the cover of Vanity Fair, Beto's Choice. He was born to do this. Uh, and you know the rest. What a double standard doesn't seem like an adequate description, does it? I switched. I switched. I switched. I switched to Newsmax. 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 Have you made the switch? You bet I did. My whole family switched. Millions are switching to Newsmax. You should too. Well, another day of chaos at the border, right? Uh, all kinds of people coming in unvetted from all over the world, totally illegally. Uh, but they're here, potentially to stay. Seems to me like a president who cared could do a lot to stop this, right? Uh, but so often we hear from the Democrats in the media that somehow, somehow, this is the fault of Republicans. I'll sit down with anyone who in good faith wants to fix our broken immigration system. And it's hard. It's hard on the best of circumstances. But if the most extreme Republicans continue to demagogue this issue and reject solutions, I'm left with only one choice to act on my own, do as much as I can on my own. The president, without the help, without the help of Republicans, is doing everything that he can to deal with the border. If Republicans were sincere and genuine about truly negotiating a more secure border, they would have voted uh, to begin debate and discussion on that bill. All right, I don't believe it. I just don't believe that this is the fault of Republicans. I mean, anybody who wanted to control that border I believe could right now, and they might have the tools to do it. A president who cared. Chad Wolf, lots of experience on this issue. He was the acting Homeland Security Secretary under President Trump. Uh, he spent a lot of time at the border and uh, a lot of time in government. First of all, Mr. Secretary, welcome back uh, to Newsmax. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me this evening. You bet. Look, I remember you well uh, in the tail end of the Trump administration, uh, but please tell me, a president who really wanted to, there are a lot of tools at their disposal, right? And this idea that it's the Republicans' fault, it sounds like a political game. Am I wrong? No, I don't think you are wrong. Look, this administration and this president and the DHS secretary can fix this crisis tomorrow if they wanted to. They have all the authorities and tools that they need. And the reason I know that is because we were able to do just that in the Trump administration without any act from Congress, without any new uh, authorities or new laws passed. It's clear that this administration doesn't want to do it. What they've seen in their failed strategy over these last three years is exactly what they want to see and play out along that border. It doesn't matter what they tell you. 
But what they try to convince the American people is it's anyone's fault but their own. Congress did not cause this crisis. The administration did when they decided to change policy. And so they have the tools and the wherewithal to fix it if they wanted to. They simply don't want to. It's amazing. And they keep saying that. I'd like to show you um, Article 4, Section 5, I believe, from the Constitution. The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion. That's in the Constitution. Um, is this... Look, is this something that you thought about as Homeland Security Secretary? This seems like a real thing in the Constitution that the president is responsible for, and he's not. Well, I think that's right. Look, when I was at the department, I took my oath and my responsibilities very seriously to protect Americans and American communities every single day. And when you see the, the mass of humanity and the illegal aliens crossing that border every single day and the national security threats and the public safety threats, this is clearly a dereliction of duty by both the president, the vice president, and the secretary of Homeland Security. It doesn't matter what they tell the American people or the White House uh, spokesperson says, it's Republican fault. At the end of the day, this is happening on their watch. They are solely responsible. Uh, and again, they can fix this tomorrow if they want to. They have a lot of tools at their disposal that they're not currently using. They could be removing individuals. They could be detaining individuals. They could be uh, repatriating individuals. They're not doing any of these things that are common sense measures under our immigration laws. So, I mean, they know they're lying, right? I mean, what, and you say they don't want to. Why don't they want to? What do they get out of this? They're trying to, is it votes? Is it the cheap labor? Is it uh, turning this country over to people who don't believe in America? I mean, what is it? I think it's a couple of things at play, but it's a great question. I think one, they don't believe in borders and they don't believe border enforcement. Time and time again, particularly when I was during the Trump administration, I would get phone calls from Democratic members asking me to ignore the law, don't remove individuals, even though they've had due process. So I don't believe that they actually truly believe in, in border enforcement. I think they're also beholden to a lot of these non-governmental organizations that make their living on getting illegal aliens into the country and keeping them here under catch and release. And then I think there is a political component to it, as you mentioned. Uh, whether they believe these individuals somehow will keep them in office through votes, I don't. I don't subscribe to that. I think the numbers don't won't play that out. But I, I do think that that is certainly one factor at play. So let me ask you something. I'm hopeful that President Trump gets back in there. I really am. I, I love the guy. I love the style. I love the policies. But I feel like the swamp. I mean, you know it well. Um, and I want to show you this guy, Miles Taylor, chief of staff. Remember him? This was anonymous. Uh, he wrote all kinds of horrible things. So many permanent employees or non-political appointees or even plenty of political appointees are so opposed to President Trump. I think they're going to try to sabotage him all over again. Um, how do we prevent that if Donald Trump does get back in there? And that is my hope. I, the, the entire system yeah. will be gunning for him all over again. And it was the last time, wasn't it? Well, it certainly was. And I don't think you're wrong. I think the administrative state uh, will be out again because, you know, President, whether it's President Trump or another America first president uh, will start taking more and more power away from them, right? Giving it back to the people, less government. And that obviously is a, is a threat to them. Look, something that we're doing at the America First Policy Institute, where I am at, is actually planning for when that America First president goes back into power. How do you defeat the administrative state? And we've been hard at work on that for over a year. We'll have almost two years under our belt looking at each agency to say, 
these are the levers and this is what you need to do at each individual agency to get an America first policy agenda across the finish line. So we've got a plan in place and, and we're executing on it. Very quickly, Vivek Ramaswamy at the debate mentioned uh, that the executive, the chief executive can fire or lay off or somehow eliminate 75% in the executive branch in some of these agencies. Number one, is that true? Do you like that yeah. idea? And do you like Vivek? Well, I think what he's talking about is Schedule F authority, which was implemented under President Trump. Of course, President Biden rolled that back to where you designate some of these positions, some of these career positions as policy positions, and then you're able to remove them um, should you should you choose to do so. So I believe that's what Vivek is, is referring to. Look, I think he's got a lot of good ideas, as I do uh, several of the candidates. I think President Trump has a proven track record, so I'm eager to see how he will continue to do, and I think he'll do very, very well. And look, whether it's President Trump or whoever, as long as it's an America first president that puts the American people first and their interest first, I think we're going to be well served. Chad Wolf, check him out at the America First Policy Institute. By the way, is Chad short for Chadwick? What kind of Chad? Everybody has a different. Every Chad I met has a different explanation about the name Chad. Now it's pretty easy. It's just Chad. That's what the last Chad said. I thought it was short for Chadwick. Anyway, Chad Wolf, appreciate it. Appreciate your service in the administration, and we'll be right back. You know, folks, I thank God for my wonderful wife, my kids, my country, the greatest nation ever. And Americans like you who believe in the truth, The Chris Salcedo Show will never stop fighting for you. The Chris Salcedo Show, for the news you need to know. Woke liberal snobs are infuriated and flabbergasted that Donald Trump dared do something this crass and vulgar to make money. I think it's great. I really do. Take a look. My last two Trump digital trading card collections sold out in just hours. And now I'm back with my latest series called the Mugshot Edition. I wonder where that came from. The Mugshot Edition. 47 all-new stunning cards, and here is the best part. I'm doing two important things for my Trump collectors. For the first time, we're creating a real physical Trump card. Purchase 47 digital cards, and we'll mail you a beautiful trading card. It is an authentic piece of the suit I wore when I took that now famous mugshot, and it was a great suit. Believe me, a really good suit. <laughs> what a great idea! I'd buy a couple of those things. Hey, this is America. You know, we don't have to be so serious and gloomy all the time. And why not make some money for the campaign, for the, the bills? I think it's fine. You know, the Democrats do the same thing. They just don't do it as well. Uh, remember when a fly landed on uh, Mike Pence's head? I actually don't remember it. It was like there for two seconds, but everybody flipped out and Democrats started selling fly swatters. And the Biden campaign, you can buy one for 10 bucks. Ha ha, you hit the fly off of Mike Pence's head, get it? And remember that let's go Brandon thing? And Biden tried to make it like he tried to own it, but instead he got owned. I like my coffee dark. And dark Brandon, they tried to make that a thing. It didn't work, made no money. You could buy these cups, dark Brandon cups. Still don't get it. And by the way, let's go, Brandon. We got to bring that back. And I'll be right back. Hey, whatever happened to Alec Baldwin? <laughs> you know, I hate that that woman was shot. And uh, but you know what? 
uh, Alec Baldwin doesn't go on Saturday Night Live anymore doing that horrible, horrible impression. Is that the reason why? Uh, let's see. The guy who does Donald Trump now on Saturday Night Live isn't is a better in terms of the mannerisms and the voice, but doesn't really have the essence of Donald Trump. Not by a, uh, no, not at all. However, this gentleman, Jason Scoop is his name. He is a fantastic comedian, and he also does some pretty amazing impressions, including Donald Trump. And there's something about it. I think he gets it. Take a look. Thank you for calling Mattress Firm. This is Justin Pecksburg Angelis. Hello, Mattress Firm. Is this Sleepy's or Mattress Firm? It's both. Oh, tremendous. <laughs> well, look, I'd like to order a mattress for our president. I call him Sleepy Joe Biden. <laughs> Jason Scoop, well done. You are the comedian, the impressionist. And folks, if you want to uh, actually get to know Jason a little bit more, cameo.com slash Jason Scoop comedy. Thanks for being here. How are you? I am great. And yeah, you mentioned Cameo. I do a Trump wishing everybody a happy birthday right from Aunt Sally. We want to wish Aunt Sally, frankly, a very happy birthday. And the holiday season's coming up. I'm on there doing that. And frankly, it's tremendous. Okay. Great to be with you, Greg. Great to be with you here. That, you know what? What is it? Well, how, you have the essence, and I'm not sure what that essence is, how to define it. How do you define it? Why does this work so well? Well, I love the guy. I happen to be a big fan of his. So I watch all his rallies, all his speeches. I've read all his books and everything. And, uh, you know, I've done impressions since I was in third grade. You know, this guy, George W. Bush, was my first one. You know, I called up President uh, Trump. Well, he's running against my brother, Jebediah. I said, uh, hey, hey, Donald, you're being mean to my brother. You call him something, something about low energy. He's crying himself to sleep. And, uh, and I said to him, I said, George, that's politics, right? That's politics. You got to have tough skin, right? And you know that. You know that. Perhaps your brother just can't take it, right? We call him low energy. So, uh, yeah, I think the essence of the person comes first, and then the voice comes. And then with Trump, I've just repetition, doing it over and over and over. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Cameo. I'm out in the streets. I'm doing Trump all over the place. And the more you do it, the better you get. But I think the essence comes first. And I think I get his essence. Yeah. Uh, again, cameo.com slash Jason Scoop comedy and all the other platforms that you mentioned. And uh, well, what is his essence? Uh, for me, I don't know. I think it's always look, there's plenty of exaggeration there. Yeah, there's plenty of, uh, you know, it's the best thing that ever happened. But at, at its essence for me is is truth. He's all just about always right. Does that resonate with you? Is that the secret? For me, it's positivity. You know, he, he'll he turn any situation positive. You know, um, he just has that positivity, and I think that's what made him such a great president, and that's what's making him uh, far and away the front runner for the Republican nomination again. I think people like him um, because he's positive, and I think uh, the haters, they don't see that. They just see some, they're sort of brainwashed to see some dark, evil figure. But I think at the heart of Donald Trump, it's somebody who always sees the bright side of things. How long have you been doing this? Since you were in third grade, I'm sorry, but professionally, you've been a comedian for how long? I've done stand-up comedy for 10 years, but I have to tell you, things have really taken off in the last, like, uh, last year or so, doing Trump. Uh, posting videos on the internet, and I'm doing gigs all over the place. I'm at political gigs. You know, I was just in Virginia, outside of D.C., doing a gig out there. 
Um, I'm doing stand-up all over the place. I just headlined Governor's Comedy Club out in Long Island. Thanks to you going on your radio show helped me sell out that room. So very thankful to you. Mr. Greg Kelly for that. Um, anytime, anytime. <laughs> Look, uh, you see, I'm, I, I can't, I, I, I shouldn't even try anymore. <laughs> I used to think I did a good Trump impression. How about this? What is life like as a stand-up comedian? I mean, uh, just, I, I take it you're your own boss, right? You, you, you work for yourself? Yes, I do. It, it's a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of discipline. It's easy to fall into the party lifestyle being a comedian. You know, uh, a, a lot of guys, they might, you know, hang out after the show, have too many drinks. You know, you really have to be disciplined in order to go all the way. And uh, I think over the years, I've sort of honed my discipline. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Making people laugh feels very good. And also, to have an impact politically, I've had people come up to me in Times Square saying, I was a Democrat. And your Trump impression made me love Trump. And to hear that is like sort of incredible. It's just, it's mind blowing to me. Now you do a pretty good Biden impression. Now you don't do it all that often. He's not the most popular guy in the world. Hey, Greg, excuse, God love you, Kelly. Look, Greg, I got hairy legs. They, they, they turn they, they, they turn blonde in the, the summer. Little kids call them, call them roaches. They come up and rub those legs and look, Greg, you don't vote for me. You ain't black. Oh, jeez. God, man. All right, all right, all right. Hey, one more thing. I heard one of your comic idols is Chris Rock. <laughs> Chris Rock. Love Chris Rock. Chasing scoop on Greg Kelly. That's a great thing, man. Man. Wow. Chris wow. Rock. All right, Jason Scoop, continued success. Everybody should check out cameo.com slash Jason Scoop Comedy. Follow him at Jason Scoop on Twitter, Instagram, all those platforms. Continued success, sir. Many thanks. Thank you. All right. Later. We'll be right back. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Hope you're having a great, great Christmas and uh, hope it's a chill week, right? You know, between Christmas and New Year's, those, those, it's kind of a cool, interesting mood to this week. I've got a baby picture for you. Let's take a look. Ah, look at that, huh? I guess I can't call them babies anymore. Drop the banner if you could. I want to see, uh, yep. <laughs> one's three, one's two. Annalise on the left, Madeline on the right. Always, ah, I love it. I love it so much. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you again soon.